So good morning. How are you doing this morning? I hope you came ready to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice was better. If I cough, I don't want to cough in this, but. Came uh, ready to be touched and moved by the Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, we are continuing on in this series that we started that was called well, What on Earth is Happening? And so we've been talking about some hot-button issues uh, in our culture. Uh, we, we started with a video from Jonathan Kahn who talked about a book that he recently wrote called Return of the Gods. And uh, it basically is talking about explaining... Uh, what we're seeing in the world today as far as all the lawlessness and the rebellion, where it's coming from in the spirit realm. And uh, last week we talked about the subject of gay marriage because uh, the, recently the Respect for Marriage Act was just passed and uh, what that means to us as Christians. And boy, that service last week garnered close to 300 views. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but normally we get, you know, if, if it's high, we get about 40 <laughs> or 45 views. So we had almost 300 views on that uh, for the smallness of our church size and, you know, our media influence. For whatever reason, people clicked on it. People watched it. I'm sure there were some pro views and there were some con views on it who knows i don't know because our comments are turned off <laughs> so we don't really know what people felt about it but we did have several thumbs up on it which is a good sign because normally we just we see just a few people like if if they if they like it so i do believe people are looking for answers people are wanting to know where the church stands on these things uh, and we're not, of course, bringing these topics up in order to try to draw attention and, you know, get likes on your YouTube channel. Uh, we do feel like it's time, though, for the church to get clearer and just more straight about where we do stand according to what the Bible says and where we personally stand as a church or what we believe that the Bible says about gay lifestyle, about gay marriage. Uh, today's message, <clears throat> we want to show you, we're going to show you, I'm going to show you a video by, uh, if we have this up, yeah. His name is Jonathan Duncan. Uh, I don't know the man personally, <laughs> but I thought his testimony was really touching, very good, very genuine, uh, very inspiring but it's about why he left the LGBT life to follow Jesus. And I know there are a lot of controversial questions, obviously, and viewpoints around this subject. It's a hot-button topic. And there are a lot of questions. And I, I don't intend in 45 minutes to, certainly in, in the video is 28 minutes long, so I'm not going to really dive into answers to these things, but I realize there are a lot of questions. Is a person born gay? You know, is it something that a person chooses? Is it influenced by childhood experiences, environment, traumatic things that happen? What if I want to 
what if I don't want to be gay? Like, is there help for me? Because there's a big push. Canada has just banned any kind of therapy. Of course, they call it conversion therapy, and that's another whole issue on how conversion therapy has been uh, carried out, what they called conversion therapy, helping somebody walk away from a gay lifestyle. There are things that I don't agree with, with that kind of therapy, but Canada has banned any, what they consider conversion therapy. They did say, well, if a pastor wants to counsel somebody, as long as it's not psychological, they can do it. Well, what does that mean? And it's a prison term up to five years. So these things aren't something we shrug at anymore. They're, they're coming, becoming very serious. And, you know, there are things that even in our own legislature that have been discussed along these lines. I mean, there are many, many states that have also, in the United States, banned conversion therapy. And again, some of the things that they did in it were wrong, but it's pushing its way into religious freedoms of what we believe the Bible says about it. And this is why I thought this man's testimony would be helpful. Because nobody's pushing people, you know, out of a gay lifestyle. But the Lord is drawing people to know him. And so this, we, I wanted you to see this video. I think it's going to be very insightful. But people, you know, will say, well, what if I don't want to be gay? Is there help for me? Well, yes, there is help. We know there is help because Jesus came to set the captives free. We were all in bondage to sin, exactly. And so freedom is freedom. Or should people say, should I just say yes and, I, and identify, just accept this as my personal identity? Is the demonic ever involved? Well, you know, whether you're straight or gay, I can guarantee you from Scripture we are all being influenced by the demonic. <laughs> We're all being hassled by the demonic. I mean, if you listen to Jonathan Kahn's at first that we did in this series, he spoke about return of the gods, little g. And scripture refers to Satan as the god of this world, little g god of this world. Ephesians 6 tells us that we, don't, we aren't fighting with flesh and blood. It's not people that we're against. This is a primary scripture for this series. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not people. We're not hating people, people groups. But against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So it's speaking here of Satan and demonic activity. And this is a generality for all of us, gay or straight. So is the demonic involved? It's likely involved. <laughs> and so the battle, what's Satan after? What are, the, what are all the demonic hosts after? They're after people's eternal soul. Where you spend eternity. Will you know Christ and find freedom and eternal life? Or will you be blinded? Because this is the work of Satan, is to blind the mind. This is a scripture we have up. Uh, for, from 1 Corinthians. The God of this world, that's Satan. He's called the God of this world. 
we have to understand and believe and know that Satan is a real spiritual entity. The God of this world, what's he doing? He's blinded the minds of unbelievers, and he actually works the blind minds of believers. This is why Battlefield of the Mind, this study is so important, because we need to tear down strongholds before we come to Christ. All of us have been living in some form of a lie in our belief system. And so he blinds the minds of unbelievers. Why? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. He doesn't want them to know the truth. The glory of, the, of Christ, who's the image of God. Why doesn't he want them to know the truth? Well, Jesus said in 8.31, John 8.31, If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and what will the truth do in your life? Yeah, it'll set you free. Well, he's into bondage. He's into blinding. He's into destruction. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, rob you of life. Not only just in this life, but eternal life. You know, you will live longer than 80, 90, 100 years on this earth. You are a spirit being. You will live forever. We must think about these things and get serious about them and pray and ask God to open up our eyes about them and want to know the truth. Because Scripture speaks about an end-time delusion that will be at work in the minds of people who don't love the truth, but love darkness. And we're seeing this play out. I don't, I, every time I look at the news, I just think so many times, like, are people in a delusion? Like, what in the world has happened to people? Like, where has sanity gone all of a sudden? And so this, these truths that Satan is at work, he's blinding minds, he wants to keep people from the truth. We are wrestling not with people, we are not arguing with people, we are praying, we are seeking God, we are walking in the spirit and love with people so that we can make a difference in people's lives where we don't want to be deceived. So these scriptures help us tremendously to know how to pray and how to have perspective so that when you rub elbows with people at work or wherever it is, you, 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 you're gaining discernment rather than just shaking your head and, and especially being quiet. And this isn't really about, I, this message isn't about how to argue with somebody. This message really is about how we should have compassion for people that are struggling in sin, just like we've all struggled with sin in our life. And so God does not hate gay people. P.S. said this, Pastor Steve said this last week, I'm sorry. I, I am truly sorry that a Christian, that you've come across a Christian that would be spewing hate towards someone with same-sex attraction. Jesus died for every sinner of which we are all guilty. Amen. For God so loved the world, the world was full of all kinds of sinners. <laughs> this is why he sent his son Jesus, because he loved the world. He wanted people to spend eternity with him. So he sends his son to die for the sins of the world 
so that we can have a relationship with Jesus. We've all sinned, Scripture says, and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, right? Yeah. And so there are just all these questions around the issue. And, you know, can you be a gay Christian? I, I, meaning identifying as gay, living and agreeing with the gay lifestyle in a homosexual relationship and saying, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. Is this compatible with the Bible and being a Christ follower? It, it, no, it's not. It's not. There, there's, but there's a big difference between affirming something and, and struggling against it, right? I mean, many people who had once lived in a homosexual lifestyle, and I, you, know, you learn this from talking to people, you learn this from watching, listening to video testimonies and things. Many people who have once lived in a homosexual lifestyle and then give their life to Christ, and they find their new identity in Christ, just like we all do, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17 works for all of us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things are new. Behold, all things are of God. But does that necessarily mean, and I think every one of you, if you're honest, you come to Christ, you became a new creation, but did you just all of a sudden walk free from every bondage of sin that... No, no, we did not. And this works the same way with someone with same-sex attraction. They may still struggle. They have a new identity, so they're not a gay Christian. It'd be like saying, well, I'm, you know, I struggled with thievery before I came to Christ, and so now I'm a thief Christian, or I'm, a, I'm an adulterous Christian because I struggled with adultery. And I, <laughs> No, we, we, uh, we have a new identity a new identity. And so we, we all still may struggle with a temptation, but that doesn't mean that's where my identity is. We have to all declare, I'm a new creation, and I'm getting grace from God to walk free of what held me in bondage. Amen? And that's what we're going to hear in this testimony today. I mean, but there are large church denominations, I think we're all obvious, that have split over these issues. It's all coming to light, what they feel the right answer is about how to handle a homosexual lifestyle. Many Methodists, Lutheran, Presbyterian are becoming openly accepting of homosexuality, openly accepting of all of it, leadership, you know, just every facet of it. While others in the denomination want to hold fast to the traditional biblical belief, is like basically what I'm presenting here today, that this lifestyle, homosexual lifestyle, leads to, is sinful and it leads to destruction in our life. But I have to say this, I want to be clear on this, that the Bible is equally clear that heterosexual immorality is also sinful and leads to destruction, right? So living together outside of marriage or adultery, sexual relationships with somebody who's not your spouse or casual sexual intercourse outside of marriage. The Bible calls all this fornication. It lumps it all into the category of sexual immorality, okay? 
all of these behaviors, whether it's heterosexual, male and female, or homosexual, same sex, are specifically named. It's named and condemned in 22 out of 27 books of the New Testament. And it does all fall under the category of sexual immorality. We have to understand this. I mean, sometimes we, we make homosexual sin, oh, the big sex. Well, you know, let's, let's look at the church in all ways about sexual immorality and be honest about it. Ephesians 5.3 says this, but sexual immorality, and that word in the Greek, some of your translations will say fornication. In other words, I, I sort of chuckle because people say they call it oh, making love. It's like, well, if it's not your spouse, it's fornication. <laughs> it's, you know, let's be real about it. But that word is pornea. It's where we get the word pornography. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness and must not be, even be named among you as is proper among saints, God's holy people. And it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, what are we supposed to do with sexual immorality? Flee it. Every sin that a man commits is outside his body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, we have to keep this in mind, church, because the culture is heavily promoting full acceptance of the whole LGBTQ lifestyle. Have you noticed? <laughs> I mean, go buy a pair of tennis shoes. The pride colors are there. Go walk in the Target or anywhere. You've the t-shirts hanging in coals. Get a cup of coffee, it cheats. You know, the, the, the banking system, well, all the Wells Fargo banking, I mean, all these banking systems now. Gender unicorns are in the school classrooms. I mean, the White House invited, this was on the Respect for Marriage Act, drag queens. These were people that were invited to the White House to celebrate the Respect for Marriage Act. He, President Biden made it very clear that this was what our country was to promote and accept and affirm. And so the church has to become very clear about what we believe. This is why I just bring it up blatantly. Because it seems as though if you don't join in, you know, you're automatically branded as a hater or I'm homophobic, as though I hate these people. I don't hate these people. That's a lie. I mean, we have an entire month now on our calendar in June prom promoting Pride Month. <laughs> Christmas gets one day. Think about it. Other holidays get one day. Usually you might celebrate Memorial Day weekend, but you don't get a month. And ESPN Sports, you know, have blatantly become pretty much blatantly pro-gay lifestyle. This, this player who was from Russia... He's an American citizen and a National Hockey League player. Ivan Provorov was in the news last week. How many of you heard his story in the news? Anybody? Yeah. He refused to wear a gay pride jersey during warm-up before the hockey game. Apparently it was a 
gay pride hockey night or something. He just held to his Christian Russian Orthodox belief. And after the game, he was questioned about it. And he said, so, he said something, I'll read, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That, that's all I'm going to say. He was very polite, very respectful, very calm about the whole thing. But the media went kind of crazy about it. They, they, the reporters called him ignorant, obnoxious, and homophobic. They referred to people like him as bigots who, quote, hide behind their cherry-picked religion. Now, what? What? You could go listen to what the man said right afterwards, like, why didn't you wear the jersey? He didn't say, I hate gay people. You know what I stand? <laughs> no, he did not. But even if it seems like you respectfully opt out of this, like, this is not my belief. Can I just live and let live even? No, the cultural push is not satisfied with that. Instead, they want you to deny your convictions and agree. Publicly celebrate something that you believe is wrong. And what, you know, what's interesting about this is after this happened, within the next couple of days online, all of his jersey in the men's sizes, extra large, large, down to smalls, were all sold out. And that tells you something. See, sometimes all we hear is the big, the larger media voices. It's like, oh, everybody must be believing what these people are saying. He's ignorant and I'm not. No. And this is why I, we, come, we speak, want to speak it more plainly in the pulpit in the church so that we could all learn to respectfully take our stand because we're going to have to. We only really have one ethical choice in this whole thing. We, we have to continue to love our LGBTQ neighbor as we love ourselves, like Jesus said, and refuse also to back down on our convictions, regardless of the cost or the consequence. I mean, honestly, when we saw we were getting so many views on our, on our uh, YouTube channel, we thought, whoa, should we prepare for a protest outside, you know, on Sunday morning? Like, you don't know. I don't know. Maybe after they see the, the, the title slide to this, we'll see what happens this week. But regardless of the cost, we, ha we cannot back down from our convictions, right? And I believe that this is what Jesus would be saying. You're right. There's a cost to standing for Christ. And, and Pastor Steve and I have not had a struggle with same-sex attraction. So I can't say, oh, I totally understand. I don't understand, but I have struggled with sin, just like you've struggled with some type of sin. And there, but there are plenty of people out there that are struggling with the same-sex relationship issue, and our hearts go out to them. They, uh, my heart does. And if, again, we, again, we're honest, we can all relate to broken areas of our lives. And the struggle with sin is the same for all of us. So we thought, <clears throat> excuse me, what better way to help us all understand the struggle than to hear someone's personal testimony, and especially a testimony that relates to the power of Christ and how it, has help, it helped him and is helping him to break free and live the life 
that God, the identity that God gave him from the foundation of the world. Like I said, I've never met this, this young man, but when I heard his testimony, I thought, I, the church needs to hear this. He could say it because I don't have this testimony, but he does. And um, I do believe you'll find profound compassion and respect for him. His testimony is real. It's genuine. It'll give you insight. Um, and just to know that God never stops reaching into our lives to call his children home to himself. So let's, um, we could start the video and then afterwards, it's, it's about 28 minutes long. And then afterwards, we'll just have some final comments and close out. What's up, guys? Welcome. What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Drip. Today is a different episode for us. Today is going to be actually a more of a discipleship video. Today, I'm going to be sharing my testimony with you all. On the first episode, the intro to The Drip, we talked about that in future videos, we'd be sharing more of our testimony and uh, more personal stories like that. So today, we're going to do such thing. And uh, Anthony is not in the shot. He is currently behind the camera. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, so he's still here um, in spirit and uh, physically, too, I guess, now that, now that I mention it. But <laughs> so like I said, I'm going to be sharing my testimony. And I uh, just hope that this can speak to you guys in some way, um, that you'll be able to get something out of it or share it with a friend. And if you know it could help anybody else going through similar things. So without further ado, I am not Anthony. Anthony, I almost said Anthony Duncan. <laughs> you are not Anthony Duncan. Yeah, well, you're not that either, but uh, I am not Anthony Patton, but I am Jonathan Duncan, and this is The Drip. Alright, so jumping right into it, I just want to share briefly a little bit about my background and just kind of how I came to know the Lord and came to live for the Lord presently. So, like I mentioned before, I did grow up in Memphis, Tennessee, in a family of five there, and grew up in church from when I was a baby all the way till now, because I had never really left. Yeah, so growing up in church, I just kind of experienced some issues with relating to men, you know, like little boys, they want to be around other little boys, and, uh, you know, look up to their dad or whatever. And for me, I had a really hard time relating to my dad and identifying with them um, and actually connecting to boys in my own age. And as a result of that, you know, I always had friends who were girls just because I knew that they could accept me. Uh, within that, I ended up picking up a lot of mannerisms and some kind of personality traits, things like that, that things you just pick up when you're little, you're, you know, soaking up who you're around and all that. Then I was homeschooled for a little bit. And then in sixth grade, I went back into school. Sixth grade was really kind of a huge year for me um, after being uh, homeschooled and then being more socialized around other kids my age. And it was that year is when kids really started to call me names and I didn't understand what these names were or why they were saying these things. You know, it was just, I'm me. And, you know, I love music and art and just really passionate about them. And so, you know, especially boys would say things and uh, slurs and stuff like that. And then progressed through middle school and the same thing continued. It was a little more intense, like bullying and things like that. And I started to notice that these attractions were developing towards other boys that I should have been feeling towards girls and never really understood it. You know, I thought it was just something that might go away or 
you know, wasn't really sure what it was. And, you know, I kept hearing people say things. And after a certain amount of time, you know, I began to question those things and say, maybe, oh, this is who I am. You know, I loved God and knew lots of scripture from growing up in church and, you know, started to see things in the culture around me that kind of supported that. I, I had this hunger in me still to connect with boys. And I think looking back that it was just that kind of manifesting itself in different ways of needing that hunger and that acceptance and that love. And so, you know, I would go to different ways to find that. There is some sexual abuse that happened in there that kind of hijacked my life and uh, hijacked things and kind of reiterated those things that were being said to me. And, you know, I started to believe that and, um, you know, just some confusing, uh, just some confusion and just seeking that um, acceptance and that love. And so in high school, that just kind of intensified. And eventually, you know, I went from this very quiet person and just doing what I'm supposed to do to I'm really acting out and rebelling and just being extremely destructive and putting myself in really bad situations. And uh, the whole time, you know, feeling guilty about it and not wanting to live that life, um, but also feeling like I didn't have a choice at the same time. Within that, you know, I needed some sort of control and food kind of became a control issue for me and ended up struggling really severely with anorexia for a long time. Um, and that carried on into adulthood into different ways. And then college happened, I kind of like kind of settled down, I guess you would say. And then um, after my first year of college, I felt like God was calling us to something and calling me to something and my family. So we ended up moving to New York State, where we came here to start Living Water Church. And, you know, I was just kind of pushing everything under the rug. And, you know, those things were behind me. And, you know, I was going to follow God. And, you know, he had called us into this great thing to start a church and to tell other people about Jesus. And so through all that, you know, I still had these thoughts and things. So after coming to New York, um, I ended up going to a few different colleges. The whole time, it was just this push and pull struggling with this addiction, mainly sexual addiction, and just trying to find some sort of comfort and peace and battling these desires and not knowing how to fight them. You know, I had people tell me that, you know, it was wrong or that the Bible spoke against that. And I believe that. But what was, what was I supposed to do with those desires? You know, they're so overwhelming and just flood me. And, you know, I had I didn't know what else to do with them besides just to give in to them and had no way of fighting. And so then in college, I sought out some some gay relationships that just kind of pushed the destruction even further. And God kind of got a hold of me. And so in those college years, again, a lot of back and forth, you know, I knew that it was wrong, but also, you know, I had these, you know, physical relationships and just seeking that emotional connection, emotional fulfillment, again, just very tumultuous. And I ended up leaving the one college, going down to Christian college, graduated from there, thinking that going to Christian college is going to help me with my problems. And the problems just intensified because I never got to the root of them and just eventually gave in to that identity of being gay and this is who I am and also hiding that from my family just because I knew they would never accept that they didn't understand it was just a lot of like this is not right and you know you need to do what's right according to God's word so after college I moved to Nashville to pursue a career in music and also ended up having a, a good career in fashion being a wardrobe stylist for lots of people in entertainment and songwriters and things like that and really enjoyed it. So I was in Nashville. I am working in fashion and doing well with that and at the same time continuing to seek destruction and 
thinking that, you know, I was going through all these relationships and spending all my time trying to find the right guy or, you know, this relationship, that relationship, certain types of guys um, that, you know, I was drawn to, certain guys that I was drawn to thinking that this next relationship would be the one or this would be the one that would uh, fulfill me, satisfy me, my longings and my desires. Just a lot of emotional turmoil and it was always like putting myself in compromising situations again, just very destructive and still wanting to do music, still love God. And, you know, I was in, in and out of church. I worked all the time and working, trying to work in music and all that and just spending all my time in those um, areas as well as socializing and networking and seeking relationships. And <clears throat> so after about four years there and in that world, I decided that, you know what, Nashville's not working out, I'm hitting a wall here, no one understands me creatively, I need to go somewhere else, I don't want to go back to New York, and I kept hearing all these, all these things about LA, meeting people from there, and uh, one of my friends that I worked with actually had moved out there from Nashville, and she was like, you, like just come out, you know, it's going to be great, like, you know, there's people like you here, and um, I went and visited, loved it, and ended up, you know, just kind of packing everything in my car the next February, and moving to Los Angeles, and you know, I could see that God was trying to actually get a hold of me then. Um, my my granddad had passed away, and um, I felt like a, much a closeness to God, and almost like he was kind of yearning for me and like wanting me to kind of lay everything aside. And um, I didn't want to listen to it, though. I was like, you know, I can't deny once again that I have these feelings, that I'm attracted to men. You know, these things just consume me, and I, it was my identity. is like, that's who I am, and I can't fight that. But, you know, God was still faithful. He let me to continue down that path. I moved to Los Angeles and ended up, long story short, finding a church that was gay affirming. It's actually connections that I uh, knew from another town that I lived in previously. And I thought that I had found it. You know, I was in West Hollywood. I had a church that affirmed my lifestyle and who I was and celebrated that. And, um, you know, I thought that I was home. I was going to find the right guy. You know, we were going to be successful in Hollywood and music and entertainment, build a life together and that my family would never know about it. I would just continue to sweep it under the rug. And there was some shame involved with that as well. So after about a year and a half there, um, I actually got let go from my job that I was working. You know, I had several offers to work for different businesses, some really successful, well-known companies um, that I could have had a, a long fashion career in and uh, turned those down, stayed at the one job, and then actually got let go. It was a year to the day of me arriving in Los Angeles. And I was like, okay, what's happening? Like, what, like what's going on? And um, uh, within that time, I had even in Nashville was beginning to question gender and all that, those things that had been a, a deep wound for me and things that I was confused about. I never felt like I related to other men and eventually believed that I needed to be a woman and find a man to love me like a woman. And that was the only way that I was going to be fulfilled or have any joy or like peace and love in my life. And so I began to seek hormone replacement therapy. I made appointments to be seen. And every time I had an appointment, it would get canceled and I was having massive anxiety. I was going out and being really destructive and drinking and ended up having severe panic attacks. And um, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack and die and nothing was working out. And um, 
So I just like wanted to end it all basically. And I, uh, after getting let, let go from my job, the rumors about lockdown for COVID happened. And I was in East Los Angeles in a house by myself. And I had had auditions, nothing was panning out. And I was like, all right, I gotta get out of here. Um, I'm not about to be stuck in my house for however many months or years, whatever. So I flew home to New York to see my parents. And I remember sitting there in my writing on my laptop and saying that, you know, I was just totally to the end of myself. I had tried everything. I had literally given up my entire life to follow this career and these dreams in my heart, you know, constantly seeking after the right guy. And that never happened. And I thought that I was going to come home to my parents, tell them that I was going to become a woman. And that was who God made me to be and go back to Los Angeles shortly thereafter and continue to seek transitioning into that life. Once I got to New York, I really just felt like God was present in some way that, you know, he was seeking after me or I was trying to seek truth. And um, actually back in LA, it's funny, the church that I was going to talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. And growing up Southern Baptist, I never really had much knowledge about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I knew scripture and things, um, but I was like, what is this Holy Spirit? And why have I never like encountered this? As I was, you know, seeking destruction and even like the cross-dressing and things, you know, God actually began to speak to me right there. I was in my bathroom getting ready in the two hours that it would take me every time, which is so crazy thinking about now. And, um, you know, just doing my thing, going through the routine. And I literally heard like someone speaking to me. And um, even in encounters with other men, you know, I believe that it was the Holy Spirit talking to me and telling me that that's not who I was and asking me who told me that that was who I was. And um, so it's really like emotional to think about and crazy that that all happened. Um, and uh, so when I uh, was in New York, I began to read some books that my mom had growing up, some Christian books. You know, I was reading this dating book and it was talking about men and women and I could only see myself in relation to the woman. I was like, you know, I long to be longed or I want a man to like long after me like he longs after a woman. And um, that's what I related to and that's what I believed myself to be. And um, so then for whatever reason, well, I know why, but I started seeking out videos on YouTube of different pastors talking about LGBT people and their acceptance or not acceptance or whatever. There's so many stances on that nowadays. It's a very hot topic, and um, which is why I'm excited to be sharing with you guys here today about my experience. And um, so yeah, there was this one video, and it was these two pastors talking. One pastor actually used to go to his church, and he was talking about his their view of homosexuality and how that's how God created them to be. And the other pastor was an African American pastor, and he was speaking with so much authority and saying how they loved those LGBT people, that they were made in the image of God, um, but that we're also called to holiness and how the gospel transforms our lives to live a holy life for God, regardless of what our feelings or desires are. And, um, you know, for the first time in my life, I, I thought that everything that I previously believed, I was like, this, this is false. And everything that this other guy was saying, I, everything in my spirit rang true, that this is truth, that absolute truth does exist. Um, so I was laying there on my bed and watching this video on YouTube, and then, um, <laughs> and then uh, right then and there, I looked up and I said, "God, I submit my sexuality to you." I felt like I was about to go over this waterfall, and I just said, "God, I give it to you," for the first time in my entire life. And no one had ever told me to do that, or that I was supposed to surrender. I didn't know what that meant. 
Um, even though I might have heard it, I didn't know what that meant. Um, and then, you know, God, <clears throat> it sounds insane, but God literally showed up in my bedroom and um, I physically felt something come out of my body, pull up through my chest and out, out of my body. And um, I could see God and it was just like, you know, just the power and glory of God. And I don't know if it was like five seconds or 0.5 seconds or 50 seconds, but it was just like completely transformative. It was like, this is who I am. God was saying, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is who I made you to be. And it was this mix of emotions. And I've heard a lot of other people that have had this similar experience say this, you know, a mix of emotions of like, God, like you have everything. Like I give you all my life, all this, you know, at the same time also being super um just repentant and sorry for my sins and realizing that everything that i did was sin that it was awful and feeling ashamed for that um but also a, an extreme like freedom and um love of god that i never experienced before so i was inundated with fear i didn't know what to do or how to move forward you know my entire life was in la and um i was just so angry at at myself and at other people for everything that Satan had done to um, to destroy my life and things that I had done, um, you know, my own desires, and because I know how awful I am and how much this has been like a huge weight for my entire life, and you know, what do I do? How do I? I don't even know what to tell my friends. Like all my friends are gay. My church is gay. Everything, all the music I did, all the songs I wrote were just a reflection of that. That false belief and false identity that I believed about myself and um it took me like three days I had no idea what to do um it took me three days to really just like process it I called one of my friends who had prayed for me for a long time and we went to college together he was the first person I called um you know I thought he was crazy and then come to find out he was the fir very first person I told what happened and so we prayed together and um, eventually told my parents and called some of my friends in LA, you know, this guy that I had feelings for and was kind of pursuing and I called him and told him everything and, you know, I was like wanting to tell everyone because I was so excited and I had never been this person. I'm like, you know, I sound insane, but like, I believe that homosexuality is a lie and I had never ever in like literally a million trillion years that I would be the person to say that because if you knew any, any of my friends they would tell you like you know I'm as gay as they come and this is just that's who he is you know and my friends accepted me for that so yeah it was really crazy and I uh, went back to LA for a few weeks and um you know it was just I knew I couldn't be there even when I was going back I just knew I couldn't be there I was like you know I got I'm a mess but if you'll use me then you can use me however you want to and um, everything that I've given my life to I just give it to you God and um, just pray that you can restore me and restore my life and make something out of it um, make something good out of the mess that I've done and uh, um, so Packed everything up, left LA, left all my dreams, left everything, and came home to New York to really humble beginnings. This is like the millionth time in my life that I started over and moved somewhere new, and but it was different this time. You know, God really changed my heart and changed my core. And um, you know, it's not easy. Every single day is a fight, and every single day is surrender. But um, you know, this life is short, so short in the grand scheme of things. And whatever it is that you have to give up, it's worth it to follow God. And whatever you have to give up to follow God is worth it. Because this life is a mist, but a vapor. And um, the eternal rewards that are waiting for you 
not just in this life, but in heaven, in the afterlife, is so much greater and so much better than anything that you think that can satisfy you temporarily. And I would just encourage you to bring your desires to God and surrender them to Him. Say, whatever this is, whatever it is that's in your heart, Whatever it is that is on your heart that you say you can't give this up, that this is who you are, or, you know, everyone's telling me to just give in to this, I would just encourage you to bring it to God. And because God is big enough to deal with ever, whatever thing is pulling you down, whatever thing is gripping at your soul, you know, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, um, but against spiritual forces and cosmic powers in this present darkness. We're living in a darkness, and God is the light in that darkness. And if God is living in you, then you become a part of that light. And we know what the light is because God's word, because God's word illumines that to us. So <clears throat> get in God's word, know what the truth is, believe that his word is truth, and let that truth and that light change you. So within that, um, I just want to read a few scriptures to you guys that really have stuck out to me on this journey. Um, some really specifically in the beginning um, as God was laying a foundation for me. I'm trying to make sense of everything. I'm still trying to make sense of everything because it's so hard, but God is so good and he's faithful. Even when we fall flat on our faces, I fall so many times, but you know what? We don't stay down when we fall down, we get back up and we run to God, not away from him. So, if you don't know, there's a verse that says we are saved by grace through faith. So it's God's grace that saves us and leads us into new life. But his grace is so good that it doesn't leave us there. There's a verse in Titus that says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So it saves us to everyone who accepts it. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So God's grace saves us, redeems us, but it also empowers us to learn and to grow as we're walking a new life out. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, especially in the beginning, I was addicted to evil, and my natural inclination is to evil. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So our natural bent is towards sin, whatever that is, it's it's sin. But, you know, we can be encouraged through scripture um, to not be overcome by evil, um, but to actually overcome evil with good. And how we do that is through the word of God, um, through the armor of God, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the Bible. And so hiding God's word in our heart to help us fight against those things, to fight against those cosmic powers, um, those things that come against us. And with on that note of grace, also Second Corinthians. <sighs> so with all the awesome. <laughs> so also within that theme of grace is Second Corinthians twelve nine. Um, this is kind of me parafra paraphrasing or emphasizing things, but God says, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. May rest upon me." So you know. The devil wants to come and fight us with shame and how could you do that like look you messed up again um you might as well just go back to that old life you know you're still having these desires and all these thoughts you know you secretly want these things but you know what the devil wants us to be quiet 
But we have to fight that and being bold and speaking out. You know, we need to pray for boldness through the Holy Spirit. But we can, again, God's the theme of grace. It empowers us. And it, God says his grace is enough for us. Um, so therefore, I can I can sit here in front of the camera. I can go out. Um, I can call my my gay friends and I can pray for them and I can boast. Yeah, yeah, I still struggle with this. You know what? But um, I can just boast in God about that because look how great God is. You know what? I'm weak. I'm awful. Yeah, I do want these things. Yeah, I do struggle with this. But God, you're so much greater than all these things. God, you can handle my wickedness and my you know, my terrible sin and my brokenness that has plagued me for my 32 years of living. And so then God's power comes to work in my weakness. And then I can sit here before you today and talk about, you know, give you a testimony of God's goodness. Lastly, in Job 42, 5 says, I've heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And I just love that. You know, a lot of us have heard about God. A lot of us no, John 3, 16, we know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But yeah, I just love that verse in Job. It just indicates that hard transformation of coming from knowing about God to actually knowing God. Even though you, you still struggle and you will struggle, it doesn't matter what it is. As long as you're in this life, you will have a struggle. But there's just something different when you go from knowing about God to actually knowing God. And um, I just love that we have proof of that in scripture, you know, of people who are weak, just like us. They're no different from us, different times, different struggles. But, you know, there's something different when you actually just surrender to God and submit yourself to him. Your carnal flesh is awakened to the fact that God is an actual reality, that it's not, he's not just some idea, you know, we hear about his holiness, but he actually is holiness. He is holy and he calls us to be holy just like he is, but we can only do that through God's grace and through salvation. But you know, God is real and the Bible is real. Um, truth does exist, regardless of what culture and what society and what even your own friends and maybe your own family might tell you is true. Um, so I just encourage you to seek God out. The Bible says he rewards those who diligently seek him. And uh, if you seek him, you will find him. So I just want to encourage you guys to seek God today, whatever that looks like for you, and um, seek the God of the Bible um, because he loves you and he has good things for you. And uh, that's it. So I hope you're encouraged and be blessed and uh, we'll see you guys on the next video. Bye. Okay, I'm back. Uh, just real quick, wanted to pop back on and give you guys just a few resources. We compiled a few things that could maybe help you guys out if your parents watching, maybe if you have kids that struggle or family members. Um, just want to give you, put a few resources in your hands so you can know more about these topics, maybe even like an apologetic stance or approach. So the first one here is a guy named Cy Rogers. This is probably one of my favorites. Um, this guy is incredible, just amazing speaker. He has a lot of resources I would suggest on YouTube. There is a message called God and Sexuality. That was the very first message of his that I listened to, and I've listened to probably 20 times. It's so good. So I would greatly suggest watching that. I'm also going to link a um, 
article down below called The Man in the Mirror that he wrote um, a long time ago. And it's great insight into someone coming out of this world and just another great story of redemption of God at work in someone's life. And another one, I mentioned apologetics. There is a book called Mama Bear Apologetics. It is by Hilary Morgan Ferrer. I believe I said that correct. But it is a book geared towards moms, designed for moms to help their kids. Biblical-based, you know, apologetic approach. So reading the word, seeing what, you know, the Bible has to say about these issues. How do I defend the word? How do I talk about these issues in a biblical way? Some other ones, really great guy in Hollywood named Beckett Cook. He is a really, you know, just kind of another hero of mine. And uh, God redeemed him from that life as well. He actually has a YouTube channel and he puts out episodes every single week and has lots of guests on. I would really encourage you to check that out. He has a book, fantastic, called A Change of Affection. Talks about how God redeemed him from that life. He was a Hollywood set designer and, you know, very like big Hollywood guy that God saved. And he also in that book has a lot of kind of hard questions that he gets asked a lot, you know, like, can you be gay and a Christian and things like that. Really hard questions that, you know, that are valid and people ask. So I would encourage you to check that out as well. And then the last one is Desires in Conflict by Joe Dallas. Um, you guys might know of Joe Dallas. He's been around since I believe the 80s, putting out content, writing books on these matters. So yeah, hopefully some of these can help you guys. Again, if you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at jonathan at livingwater4u.org or you can reach anthony at anthony at livingwater4u.org um, or you guys can uh, drop some comments below and we'll be happy to answer them there as well. So I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will see you guys on the next episode. See ya! I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will see you guys on the next episode. See ya! Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah, I really believe you got something out of that awesome testimony. Uh, <clears throat> if you are interested in the link for this, I mean, if you rewatch our YouTube channel and you watch the service, it'll automatically link it to this site. But I mean, if you would personally want to find out the channel, I could speak to you after the service. Uh, he mentions <clears throat> some of those resources. Um, Cy Rogers, I never had even heard of the man, but I think since the mid-80s, he's been you know, a part of coming out of the gay lifestyle. And, uh, but sadly, a year and a half ago, he passed away from kidney cancer. But there's all of his resources are out there. And um, Beckett Cook, he mentioned Beckett Cook. <clears throat> Excuse me, I had discovered him a few weeks ago as we were doing some research for this series. And uh, I would really encourage you, if you want to hear more about this, uh, uh, it's a great channel. Just type in Beckett Cook on YouTube. I did read the book that he mentioned, A Change of Affection. Excellent book. It's amazing what God is doing in the hearts of people who desire freedom. We'll have the worship team come up. And that's all part of it. And I think this is why it's so important for the church to know that we don't need to be silent. We can love people, you know, who are struggling with sin and ask God for opportunities to show, show love. Many of these people's testimonies, that's what they would say. It's when the church showed me love 
you know, and it's one thing, again, to be affirming. We want to show love, but, in, in, but make it plain that God loves you. But I think probably in private conversation with most people struggling with this, there are deep inner wounds, just like all of us have had deep inner wounds from the things that happened to us in the world. And when we could find a place of conversation around that, I think people's hearts open up more. And so watching a video like this, I think, gives us a glimpse into some of that brokenness that we all have so that we open up our hearts and have compassion. We don't just shut it down and say, oh, that's not like me. And so we thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for... I thank you that your love never stops reaching out to call your children to yourself from the foundations of the world. Lord, your word says you had your eye on us. You loved us. You had a plan for our life to make yourself known that we could have a personal relationship with you, have our sins forgiven, become new creations in Christ, and live our life from that root, from that root meaning and that root purpose. I thank you, Lord, for truth that will set any captive free. Thank you, Lord. I pray you help us in the days to come. Let us be your hands, Lord. Let us be your feet. Let us be your voice, your heart of compassion to the people around us struggling with sin and and same-sex attraction. Help us, Lord God. You love all people. You love these people. And help us to bring them home to you take a step closer to you Jesus and I do say home because that's what you called us lost you said we were all lost there's a real reason why that word is used lost from our original place the original plan and purpose from God when you created Adam and even the garden of Eden your intention was to have a family to love to bless to have dominion over the earth and enjoy all the beauty of the earth. And so I pray, Father, if there's, any, if there's anybody in here who doesn't, even, who doesn't know that they have a relationship with Christ, that their sins have been forgiven, or maybe you want to rededicate your life, maybe you've been somebody who's been wandering out there in the world and you listen to this testimony and you think, you know what, like, I need to come back home. I need to come home to the Father's love. If that's you, just open up your heart right where you're sitting. Holy Spirit's here. Ask him to forgive you. Forgive you for your wanderings. Forgive you. And just like in the story of the prodigal, the father was waiting with open arms. The father's waiting for you. Just come to him now. Ask him to forgive you. Say, Father, I want to come home. And then ask him about surrender, just like Jonathan did in that video. Ask him to help you understand what real surrender means and the freedom that comes with it. Don't be afraid. The devil wants you to be afraid to open that door. Open it. The Lord's saying, open it. I'm knocking at the door. Open. Let me come in and and sup with you. So I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for coming to save us, delivering us from sin. We thank you for forgiveness of sin. We thank you for salvation that comes as we give our life to you. 
we worship you this morning, Lord. Help us to go from this place to be your hands and feet and heart. In Jesus' name, amen.